They say no man is an island. Of course not. He's a man. Because I love film so much, I've delved into how to try to make one, how to get the pieces together and make them something that you and I and everyone else would want to actually see. Well, not everybody, because there's always someone out there who hates everything. I'm an old man. I hate everything but Matlock. Putting these things together is probably the most difficult thing that there, as far as the art world is concerned, is one of the most difficult things to get right in a way that people want to see it again. I think music is the second thing. Filmmaking and music take a team. Yes, you can do it by yourself. And that's why music's second, because you can do music by itself, especially nowadays, and make it sound really, really good. Most of the tracks that you hear on my podcast are actually just probably one person putting together an arrangement, making this great song that sounds pretty cool, and they're doing it all in their computer and a couple of keyboards and maybe a MIDI synth or something like that. But a film, there's no way you can do it by yourself and be effective at it. I imagine there's somebody out there that can get it done by themselves and get it done right. But you gotta remember, there's so much that goes into this, especially for the folks who who are new or don't actually make films for a living or just kind of listen to this podcast for, you know, killing time while you're washing the dog. Making a film takes a camera operator, someone who knows their lights, a data wrangler, which used to be the film wrangler. You got your sound guy, you got your mixing guy, you've got your line producer, you get somebody that's supposed to keep everybody on track, make sure that the lines are correct, the continuity is correct, the costumes are correct, the makeup is correct, the hair is correct, the everything's correct. One person can't do that. There's no possible way. The director has to audition every one of those people and make sure that everybody gets lined up and all those little ducks are in a row. Who puts ducks in a row? Guess ducks do. Hmm. Yeah, ducks put themselves in a row. And when you're making a film, you really, it, it's all about the crew, the people who are there with you, the screenwriter, the, the DP, if you have one, if you're not doing it yourself, which I suggest you don't if you're a director, uh, your sound guy, your costume people, your actors, all those people should be involved in making your film better. And if you're an actor or if you're a crew, if you're working with somebody who's not willing to sit down, you know, if you're just the guy lumping stuff back and forth from the truck to the set, you shouldn't expect the director to come up to you and say, hey, does this look good to you? It's not going to happen. But if you're the lead guy or if there's a crew of five people, then, you know, the director should at least ask. You know, what do you what what do you think? What do you think about this line, actor? What do you think about the way she's holding herself, actor? What about the lighting here, DP? What do you think? What what about the sound? Do are we going to have a good sound in this room, or are we going to have to go back and re-record the sound at a later date? Every person on that set knows what it takes to make a good movie. They may not know how just yet, especially if you're just starting out. But everyone on that set understands what a good movie is, and if you're paying attention, you also you yourself 
will understand what it takes to make that movie good. Does that mean the director has all the answers? Absolutely not. Kevin Smith, you know who he is, Kevin Smith. He was on the set of Cop Out. And that's a terrible movie, I know. But he was on the set of Cop Out. Bruce Willis walked up to him and asked him which lens he's going to use. Is it 50, 35, 75, 85? And Kevin Smith is just kind of like, I have no idea. You can go and Google it. Kevin Smith admits this freely that he had no idea what he was talking about because Bruce did, because Bruce has been doing it a long time and he takes an interest in it, I guess. But Kevin Smith had no idea. Now he's a director, so not all directors are built the same. Some directors are like me. I know exactly which lens we're gonna get. I know what the lighting is gonna be. I'm scrutinizing everything that's going on. If I don't understand how something's working, then I go and ask and I get help. And that's the biggest thing is to go and get help, especially if you're going to be like me when you're trying to control all the stuff and make sure that you're that, that the scene looks exactly the way it should. But you don't have to because that's why some of Kevin Smith's movies do so well. That's why some of Kevin Smith's movies look so good and work so well is because he is acquiescing or giving away the power of authority to someone who knows what the hell they're doing because he obviously, by that comment, doesn't know that much about it. He knows what's funny. He knows the way the lines should be read. He knows what he wants, but he doesn't necessarily know exactly what hurts the audio is in or what uh, LUT they're using on the camera. And as a filmmaker, you're not expected to know everything. It's helpful if you do know more stuff about it, because if you do know more stuff, if you do understand what LUT is, if you do understand these different concepts, you'll be able to better communicate with the people on set who are responsible for those things. But as a filmmaker, it's kind of like a screenwriter. Just kind of go back a little bit. A screenwriter can't get upset when his screenplay is changed because that's the way Hollywood, that's the way movies work. Things get changed. If the actor can't say the line, can't spit it out because it doesn't make sense to them, it doesn't seem like something their character would say, then the actor's never gonna get it right and the actor's gonna fall flat and we don't want that. Let the actor be the artist. Let them run with the performance. Uh, a lot of comedies are shot that way these days. They take 10, 15, like Robin Williams. They didn't write out the jokes for Robin Williams. They might have a placeholder joke, but Ro Robin Williams was allowed just to run with it. And they picked the best one out of the bunch. And that's what made it funny because Robin Williams is funny because that was what his talent was. As a director, your talent may be putting the story together, telling the story front to back, step one, two, three. But it may not be that you're the best joke writer or you don't understand how to deliver a joke that well. That's where the actors come in and the screenwriters come in. The screenwriters has to do, have, have to do their thing and set you up for success. And that's why it's very important to make sure that that script is damn near perfect when you go to shoot, when you, when you start to shoot it, when you start to block it. If it's damn near perfect, then guess what you're gonna get? You are gonna get the framework that will allow you to shoot around the mistakes that the screenwriter on paper couldn't see. Because that happens a lot. When you write a script out, sometimes, and it's not all the time, but sometimes that line doesn't work. It falls flat. It sounded good in your head. It reads well on the paper. People guffaw at it. But when it's said, oh, no, that's not good. Or the dramatic line. One of the things that I abhor in television and movies is when an actor says, look, 
and then they give you their explanation of whatever they're going into. Who does that? I, I Maybe I say it every now and again, that's because I'm buried in this writing thing, this movie and television thing. But outside of me, I've never heard anybody stop, look at me, get all serious and go, look. It's like in Stargate. They said it all the time in Stargate SG, SG-1. With all due respect, sir. They, whenever they were going to disagree with someone, they said, with all due respect, and that may be protocol in, in, in a real life setting in the military, but on screen, stop already. Don't do it like twice a show. And that's what Stargate SG-1 did. Nobody seemed to really care. It's kind of it's kind of a drinking game, to be honest with you. Every time they say, with all due respect, you got to take a shot. I'm just saying. You might just be hammered by the end of the like, third episode. But when it comes to making films, the biggest thing you want to do is to take into consideration other people's thoughts. If you ignore them, you it, it's about contrast. Screenwriting, it goes back to screenwriting. And it's the same as screenwriting and it's the same in making movies. You want to have depth. You want to have the character to grow from one degree to the other. You want to have a contrast a contrast in what's going on in your life. If you only surround yourself by people who are just like you, do you expect ever to get an idea that doesn't sound just like yours? No, absolutely not. You're going to get that same idea thrown back at you. You're going to say, hey, that's great. That's wonderful. And all four of you will get in this little circle, say, sing Kumbaya, and this is the greatest thing ever. And then when somebody else comes in who doesn't share your persuasion, who doesn't share your opinion in thinking that that's great, is going to sit there and go, yeah, so, yeah, I really don't care. It's not that big a dramatic moment. Nah. Mm-mm. And it's like in life. It's You have to have a contrast. It's... If we all saw in black and white, yeah, some things could be interesting and you could make your life work around that, watch black and white movies all day long. But when you introduce the color, you introduce, even in black and white, there's contrast. You have contrast in black and white movies. Even think about it that way. Without the deep contrast in black and white movies, everything would just be this gray, little sharp, little deeper here, a little lighter there, it'd all be gray. You have to have the contrast, and the contrast is what makes it worth watching, makes music worth listening to, it makes stories worth your time. So surround yourself by people who you normally, you can tolerate this person, but they kind of irritate the crap out of you because you're quiet and they talk too much, like me, or they're quiet and you talk all the time and you want somebody to give you feedback, but they don't until it becomes important. You know, you need those people there because I I can tell you, if somebody's quiet around me, I'm going to try my damnedest to get a reaction out of that person. And when I get that reaction, guess what? I know, I know that I've got something that appeals to that type of personality, which is opposite of mine. Because I can give you stuff that appeals to me all the time, but the world isn't made up of clones of Paul. The world is made up of different types of people who value and appreciate different things. And to be honest with you, there's not that many Pauls around there, and we're all better for that. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's uh, quite a saving grace that there's not more of me. So when you're putting your crew together, make sure that you've got enough folks, enough points of view, and a diff- enough personality differences to make sure that the life of the story comes out. Make sure it allows 
for the greatness to really shine through. If you've ever dealt in Photoshop or if you've ever done color correction on a video, you know you have this nice scope that you can look at. And when you pull that contrast knob up, boy, doesn't it pop out. Now, again, just like color, don't go too far because it can really suck if it gets to be too much.